and we're going to continue our series called Broken. And today I've entitled this message, Broken Jars. Now you might think I say jaws sometimes, but I'm saying jars, all right? Broken jars, all right? I try to overemphasize those words, all right? J-A-R-S, jars, broken jars. And we'll be in the book of Mark, chapter 14. And so um, you can turn to that and we'll, we'll have a moment to talk about that in a little bit. But we're going to be looking at the woman who broke open her alabaster uh, jar, which was costly and expensive perfume. And it's a story that many of us who have grown up in the faith know the story. She will pour out this perfume onto Jesus's head and she will bless him. And this story uh, goes throughout the Bible, um, in, well, at least at least the first uh, four books of the Bible. We'll talk about that in a moment. As we go through the story, it's important to understand that Jesus is about to be crucified at this time. The time is short, and the end is near, and it's approaching very rapidly here. And we're going to take a closer look at the acts of love towards Jesus by one person who understood the hour that she lived in. And we um, need to do this as well, start thinking about the hour and the time frame that we live in as well, because time is short and the end is near. And while Jesus will soon die, he will soon be crucified during this period of time. And we know that he's going to be resurrected uh, three days later outside of the, the grave of the tomb and eventually go to heaven and eventually be seated at the right hand of Father God in heaven, making intercession for every one of us. You know, Jesus is praying for you right now in heaven. You need to understand that, right? He's praying for you and soon he's going to return back for the saints of God. That is our blessed hope. Soon and very soon we will see him. Millions and millions of saints are around the world are waiting for his soon return. The church, we are to eagerly await for his arrival and we will continue to serve and continue to bless him, continue to worship and continue to praise his name, continue to be available, church of God, to him and go deeper with him. And so we will break open our jar today. And, and I ask you, will you break and open your jar uh, this day, this week, this, this month, this year, and simply want to just bless the Lord? Will you be able to and be willing to go deeper with him? Or will you hold back your gifts from God today and throughout this year? Now, some might automatically think that when I get into this message that it's a financial message. And you might think about breaking your jar or breaking your piggy bank, uh, your jar, to, so the church can have more money. Well, this is not that type of message, and I never have preached that type of message. So don't miss it. Don't miss what's happening here. Don't miss the message that I believe that God wants to reveal to us in this hour. But I also will make no excuses for the Word of God. And you need to understand that the Bible has over 2,000 references to money and possessions and wealth in the Bible because how you treat your wealth, how you treat your possessions reveals something about yourself. It reveals something about yourself. It shows us something. How you treat your wealth and your, and your resources is an indication of your spiritual heart, what's happening inside your heart. Now, now money is neutral. I want you to understand that money, in a sense, is neutral. There's no intrinsic value to money. In fact, um, the government sets that price. And that government can set that price so low that y'all go bankrupt. And he do that. He can set that price so that it's inflationary. It can control the money flow, controls the cash flow. In fact, right now, I just wonder, I don't know about you, there's a coin shortage. What does COVID have to do with a coin shortage? I don't really understand that. I wonder about that. Um, but it's a coin shortage. Well, I will tell you this. Um, and I believe the Bible, if you look into it, will actually say this. But I believe there's going to be a cash shortage one day. You're going to have to use your debit card or your credit card. And when you start talking to missionaries around the world, they have this special ID card, that a governmental card, hmm, a governmental card. And maybe that's a message for another day. Um, but you'll one day have to use whatever they tell you to use. And the, and the currency, as we know, it will disappear. And there will be other means of controls. Um, just wondering, just saying. The Bible says not to focus on our wealth, not to live in fear, but to focus on heavenly um, wealth, if you say, and walk and work in faith. In fact, in Matthew 6, verse 19 um, through 21, it says, Do not store up yourself treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and will steal. But store up your treasures where? 
in heaven, right, where moth and rust do not destroy, and where thieves do not break in and do not steal. For where your treasure is, there will be your heart, right, as well. Money, money, right, issues are often spiritual issues. Now, when you have your money issues wrong, it's going to affect your spiritual life and your spiritual walk. And so this morning, we're going to take a look at a woman who breaks open her very expensive jar of ointment and perfume and bless the Lord. Now, others are going to question her motives, right? And simply, think she's going to make no excuse for it. She will bless the Lord with all her heart. She will bless the Lord and she will give the Lord her best. And so there's many lessons in this simple passage of the woman who anointed Jesus at Bethany. And so would you stand with me once again, now that you're nice and comfortable, this is, we try to shake this up to make you not be so comfortable here. I want you to stay awake. Um, and we'll be in Mark chapter 14, and we'll be reading um, verses 1 through 11. Now the Passover and the Feast of the Unleavened Bread were only two days away, and the chief priests and the teachers of the law were looking for some sly way, some sly way, the Bible tells you it was a sly way to arrest Jesus and kill him. But not during the feast, they said, or else people will riot. Verse 3, while he was in Bethany reclining at the table in the home of a man named, known as Simon the leper, a woman came with an alabaster jar, very expensive perfume made of pure nard. She broke the jar, she poured out the perfume on his head, and some present were saying indignantly to one another, why? This waste of perfume. It could have been sold for more than a one year's wage and the money given to the poor. And she was rebuked harshly. Leave her alone, Jesus says. I love that. Leave her alone, Jesus says. Why are you bothering her? She has done a beautiful thing to me. The poor will always have with you and you can help them anytime you want. But you will not always have me. She, was, she did what she could. She poured perfume on, on my body before hand to prepare for my burial. She's telling us what is happening right now, right? I tell you the truth. Wherever the gospel is preached throughout the world, whatever she has gone will also be told in memory of her, what she has done as well. Then Judas Iscariot, one of the twelve, went to the chief priest to portray, betray Jesus to them. And they were delighted to hear this and, and promised to give him money. So he watched for an opportunity to hand him over. All right, let's just pray and get deeper into this word today. Father God, we just thank you for your word, oh God. We thank you for what you're doing, mighty God. We thank you and we praise your name. Reveal some truth to us today, oh God, so that we might be your witnesses, so that we might have a greater understanding of how we can draw near to you, oh God, and that as we draw near to you, you draw near to us, Father God. Bless this word, I pray. Illuminate our hearts, oh God. Make everyone here feel your presence, oh God, and leave well and encouraged and, 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 and just loving you more than they than they did uh, yesterday. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. You may be seated. Now, this story seems to be in all of the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And some would suggest that if you read this closely, that you will see that the four, that it's not necessarily all four stories are alike. And they might not even be uh, talking about the same person. And there's some good reasons why this might be so. And um, I'm not going to spend uh, really time here because the differences uh, in these stories are not going to uh, change the meaning or the outcome of this message today. But you might have fun reading it. You have might fun investigating it for yourself and seeing for yourself uh, the differences by putting them in each column and going verse by verse. Now, these first three Gospels, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, are called synoptic Gospels uh, because they see together with a common view. And the synoptic literally means together sight or seeing all together. And when you read the accounts recorded in those books, you will see very similar accounts, but they're actually going to be slightly different in the view. For example, nearly 90% of Mark's content is found in Matthew and 50% of Mark is found in Luke. But all the parables of Christ are found in the synoptics. But slightly different views. So Matthew was written to the Jewish audience and Luke, uh, Mark was for the Roman audience and Luke is written to a, a broader audience, the Gentile audience. Luke is one of my favorite books in the Bible. They're, they're all my favorite as time goes along, but Luke is one of my favorite because a doctor, 
an academic person, someone, someone who had high education, is, is writing Luke. So people could talk about some of these other books, which they're all inspired by God, but Luke is a book for the doctor, for the, for the historian, for the person that wants to go a little bit deeper and get a little bit more nuggets. Luke is a great book that, uh, that I should suggest people to read. But anyway, so we see a similar view, a similar sight, and they give you slightly different details um, and so one might, some other details might be left out. And I think we do that today as we tell a story. Um, you, you know the audience. You might know the age of the group, the education, the background, the culture of who you, you might have more time or less time. So you put in more details or less details. Or you're looking at one from one side of, of the car and not from the other side of the car or one side of the mountain and not from the other side of the mountain. So your view is going to be slightly different depending on where you're standing. And so we just see this happen in uh, scripture as well. And Luke's story seems to be speaking really of a different woman, of a different time and place. And the heart of the story is really similar enough to us that we can glean stuff from it as well. And I'm not going to focus on those differences again, but I just think we should understand that the stories, those four stories are very similar. So the, the story of Mark starts off in Bethany. Uh, Jesus is in the house of Simon the, the leper. In, in just those days before, I, like I said, um, G, uh, Jesus is going to be crucified and nailed to the cross for our sins. Now, Simon probably at that time was not a leper. I don't believe he was a leper. I believe that he was healed by Jesus. And that name was given to distinguish that Simon the leper from other Simons that lived during that time. Leopards would have been outside of town and not allowed in the town and in the home. And the Jews, especially Pharisees, would would not come close to a leper. They were supposed to identify themselves as a leper. Otherwise, otherwise the Pharisees would be unclean. And so we see that Jesus is reclining at the table when a woman comes alongside with an alabaster jar and breaks it open and pours a very ex expensive perfume on him. And so the first thing I'd like to speak about is break open your jar for God. Give him your best. Give him your best, church. Give him your best. Now, it's important to understand the custom of the time as well. Uh, when the guests came over, he would, they, they would take a, a dab of these very expensive perfumes and place it on the guests. And this showed them great honor. This showed them great uh, respect, okay? And this ointment or this perfume was expensive, so they gave their best to their, to their family or friends or guests that came over, and it was costly. And so this woman didn't just give Jesus a dab, but, but poured it out, poured it out. And I believe that this was around one year wage. Because imagine this, that, that you just take one year salary and just give it to a person right now, just like that. And so this was expensive perfume. And I think it's important to understand a few things here first. Too often people just want to give a small portion of themselves over to God. Too often their attitude is that they will lose something if they give something. They will lose something if they're obedient to God. They will lose something if they go all the way with God. For example, you could have my life, but not my wallet. Um, you dedicated myself to you, O oh God, but not my job. You could have me, but not my family, not my house, not my kids, not my safety, not my freedom, or, or whatever else you are holding back from God. And people act one way right at work and one way at home and one way in the park and one way at the church or around believers. Lord, you can have this portion, this small portion of me, but you can't have it all. You can't have the rest of my life. I heard someone uh, years ago that I worked with was a Mason, and you might have heard the story before, and he, was, um, he said the Knights of Templar uh, was being baptized with their sword in their hand, and they held their sword above their head as they were being baptized. Right? The sword would not go under. And so you could have this part of my life, but you can't have that part of my life. You could have this, but you're not going to have it all. I'm keeping my sword in my hand. And the Lord will be Lord of all, or he will be none at all. Amen. And you are either saved or born and born again, or you are not. And now, listen, we grow in our faith. But we do not grow in our salvation. I don't, I don't believe that. We grow in our faith. He's Lord of your life or he isn't. And people are constantly holding back things from God. And it's a dangerous place to live church. Now this woman, she's, she broke a very expensive jar open and gave it to him. And, and blessed him and honored him with all of it. 
And most people don't realize the cost to follow Jesus, and there is a cost. Now, you don't pay for salvation, right? You don't pay for salvation. You don't earn it, right? You don't earn salvation. You're not educated enough or wealthy enough or smart enough or, or some not good enough looking. Or it doesn't really matter on your looks. I'm only messing. But the truth of the matter is, because I want you to kind of pay attention and just get this, right? You cannot earn salvation. We're not smart enough and we're not good enough, right? That's why Christ came, to make a way where there was no way. We cannot do this on our own, so He made a way where there was no way, and He saves us, and He, set, and he sets us free from sin and these bondage for those who give their life over to Him. And then only through Jesus Christ, the Messiah, can we have access to the King of Kings, can we have access to God the Father and be saved. Salvation is a free gift from God to those who receive Jesus as their Lord and Savior. Anybody who calls upon Jesus, anyone who asks for forgiveness and repents and turns to God and places their trust and future in Jesus can be saved and will be saved. He paid the price and the price is with his life and he paid it in full, not in part. And he went all the way. He didn't just go part of the way. He went all the way. He paid the price in full and he was broken for our transgressions. He was broken for our sins, right? Our salvation comes with a high cost. It costs Jesus everything. It cost him his life for our life, a life for a life, his life for our life. Now once saved, because we're saved, because we receive Jesus as Lord and Savior and we invite him into our hearts, then our life is no longer our own. He purchased us and we ought to live for him. Amen. We died to self and now we live for him. It will cost us our life, our dreams, our ways. And they, should ought to, they ought to align with Him and for Him, right? We follow His ways, not our ways. So people don't understand the cost of salvation and they don't understand the cost of discipleship, living for Him. Amen. Our life is no longer our own. Everything we have belongs to Him. Everything that we are is because of Him. Amen. Our gifts, our wealth, our talents, our abilities, our family, our friends... The very air that we breathe is because of Jesus Christ. It's because He allows you to live. He, he allows you to walk. He allows you to breathe. He allows you to hang out. Wherever you guys hang out all the time, so glad that you're here today. Right? He allows you to do that. I'm not picking on Lori and Tommy. We love you guys. I just did, but I love you guys. So glad that you're here today. Listen, God, God loves us, and He gives us freedom, and He wants us to enjoy wherever we are. Right? Our gifts and our talents. And people think they're self-made and they did it their own way. That's just not true. You might be living for yourself. You might be selfish. You might be doing things on your own. But if it wasn't for the love and grace and mercy of God, you would not be alive right now. And so you should thank Him that you're alive. And then you have an ability to turn to Him, right? So when you have breath and you exist in this time and place, it's because of Jesus Christ. So how do you live? Who will you live for? Who will you serve? God or man? God or the evil one? This woman held nothing back from God. She gave it all. She honored him and blessed him. And, and, a, and a little dab would not do. She poured it out. She poured it out. And you know, Jesus doesn't want to give us a little dab of him either. All right? He wants to pour it out. He wants to pour out his spirit on all people, right? He wants to give you every spiritual blessing. He wants you to have access to Father God, right? Through Jesus Christ, the Messiah, he wants to give you every spiritual uh, blessing. And it comes from heaven. And my prayer is, oh God, pour it out on us. Pour out your spirit in a mighty way. Not just a dab, not just a sprinkling, right? But a soaking wet, Holy Ghost move. That's what we need in America. Oh, we don't need more politics. We don't even need a COVID uh, Sure, we need the Holy Spirit to move and to touch lives and transform hearts in a mighty way. Hallelujah. We don't want just a sprinkling. We want a pouring out of His Spirit. The abundant life, right? We want it to be so real that no person, no critic can say that was a fake and phony move of God. I want the real thing, church. I don't want a fabrication of His Spirit. I want the real thing.
king, right? I don't want just a dab. I don't want to worry about who's watching or who's looking or who's peeking in or who's saying this or saying that, right? There's just way too many distractions in our society today. I want the great move of the Holy Spirit to be poured out on our young and our old in Jesus' name. And my prayer is pour it out, oh God. Pour it out, oh God. Pour it out, oh God. Pour it out on this church. Pour it out in this place. Pour it out on everyone who can hear this voice. Pour it out in such a powerful way that your people walk in the authority that they were meant to walk in church. We are truly living in these end times and the gospel message needs to go forth in power and authority. We need more of his presence. We need more of his love, church. We need more of the Holy Spirit. We need more of his word. We need more of his presence. We need more prayer. We need more laying down at the altars and laying our burdens at his feet. We need more of Jesus. You need more of Jesus. I need more of Jesus. And I think in two weeks, we're going to touch on soul winning a little bit more and winning souls for the lost and going beyond our comfort zone and going beyond the borders. For the harvest is plenty, but the laborers are few. If you want to see a great harvest in your lifetime, then you need to be all in with the great God, with our great God. Not a dab, not a little dab will do. We need to walk in his power and walk in his authority and walk in his ways. We need to crave it. Crave it, church. Like a baby wanting milk. Crave it. We need more of Jesus. We could be so caught up and consumed with the current state of affairs and the agenda of the world that we lose sight of our mission and vision as people of God. Called to love God, model Christ, and serve people. And when we do that and truly do that, we'll start to make disciples in the process. People will continue to be taught. We will teach people to teach people who will teach people to follow Jesus. Our job is to teach people and proclaim the good news of Christ. Not a political agenda, but a God Almighty agenda. But it starts with loving him greatly before you can model him properly. Starts with loving him greatly before you can model him properly. In the book of John, it says that they made Jesus supper. And it says Martha served him. And Lazarus was one that was sitting at the table. But Mary, but Mary took a pound of costly ointment of pure nard and expensive perfume and anointed Jesus. Now, if this is the same story in Mark 14, then we learn some extra details by reading the story. And if it's not, it's just important to understand that people can be so busy in life serving and and, and, and just missing out on hanging out with Jesus because they're so busy doing everything else instead of being close to Jesus. And we can get caught up if we're not careful in other things and we stop worshiping, we stop singing, we stop blessing, we stop praying Him, praising His name, we stop enjoying the fellowship, right? And while we need people to serve and we need people to be hospitable, and that is so important, we're so thankful for a serving church and those that are serving and, and a giving church. But don't miss... Don't miss Jesus in all the fuss. Don't miss Jesus in all the noise in the narrative. Don't miss Jesus in all the running around. Don't miss Jesus in all the things that are happening. Amen? Mary stayed close to Jesus' side. Mary stayed close to Jesus' side. Mary knew the time was short and the hour was near. And her time was Jesus and the flesh was limited. She believed his words. Oh, she believed his words that he would die soon and go away and the end was near. And so he, she wanted to enjoy him for a while and, and she wanted to bless him. Now some people are doers and they don't think about it. And they decide in their heart what they're going to do and they do it. And I love that. It's not always the best method, right? We need to, we need to know that there's wisdom in counsel. Uh, sometimes though we just need to do what's in our heart. Mary blessed the Lord. And she didn't ask others, she didn't ask others' opinions, right? She didn't, she just did what was in her heart. Mary blessed the Lord. She didn't ask for permission. She just blessed the Lord. And she blessed him, and it was costly. It cost her greatly, but the reward was even greater. She got to be with Jesus. And she got to bless Jesus. In fact, the Bible says, I tell you the truth, verse 9, wherever the gospel is preached throughout the world, what she has done will be told in memory of her. So let me ask you a question, church. What are you going to be known for in your life? What are you going to be known for in your life? She was remembered for blessing the Lord. 
She was remembered for loving the Lord in ways that others would not do, would not go as far. People will often try to talk you out of doing what God wants you to do. We are better off talking less and doing more and working more for the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. You just need to hear from him and be obedient to him and praise him and pray and then do what he tells you to do. Mary didn't look to men. Mary didn't look to disciples. She didn't ask, hey, is this okay to do or get other people's op opinion when she wanted to just bless the Lord. She just blessed the Lord. Oh, bless the Lord, oh my soul, right? Just bless the Lord, bless him and desire to be closer with him. Break open your jar for God. Give him your best, not your sloppy leftovers. It's important to understand this pouring out of the perfume was also a foreshadowing of his death, which is just moments away in the story. If you recall, Passover is just a couple of days out and the teachers of the law want to arrest Jesus. They want to kill, kill him. But they didn't want it to be done during the feast and they were scared that a riot would break out. So even back then, during Jesus' time, people would rise up and they would riot. And while I'm not for it, and I understand why it happens, there's nothing new under the sun, right? Uh, people are people, and people need the Lord. And people, back then, just like today, people will reject Christ, and people will riot, and people will offend, and the list is going to go on and on. And people want this message to be silent. They want the message of Christ to be silent. And if they could, they would crucify Christ today all over the all, all over again, right? And because he's now in the spirit and he's not walking in the flesh and they don't see him face to face, they want to crucify his church. And they want to persecute his church and the people. And a lot of times it just happens through governmental rules and regulations. And while some people and some Christians don't even think the church is being persecuted in any way, because we haven't been thrown in jail and in America, we, most of us have not been killed for our faith, we need to understand that persecution takes on many different forms. And so some states have actually ratcheted up a bit. And they say, you can't even worship in a church. You can't even sing inside a church, period. No singing, no worshiping. And, and, and singing is just one form of worship for those who are saying it's just about singing and worship. Singing is one form of worship. And this week I heard a church in California is getting fined $52,000. And next week another $50,000 if they don't close. And they are socially distancing, they say. I'm not there to see it, but they say they're socially distancing. But they refuse to close the church because they refuse to stop worshiping and stop singing and stop fellowshipping and stop coming together as a body of believers. And I understand that you might be thinking right now, well, just comply and it goes away and there's no fines. Um, maybe you're thinking uh, you're bringing on the persecution to yourself. I get Christians feel that way. I've heard them talk about that, and I heard others say that. But don't comply doesn't mean it goes away, right? Complying means you calm the storm today, and tomorrow it gets worse. But complying also means that you don't freely worship in this country the way you want to, and the way the forefathers of this country designed it for us to be free and to worship and have certain liberties. And I wonder, do we truly believe that we are to go into all, listen up closely now, do we truly believe that we are to go into all the world and proclaim the good news of Christ? Do we truly believe this, that we are to send Bibles and missionaries to remote places, places that are communist, places that are socialist, uh, places that just simply um, their government and those officials do not respect the Bible and God and basically say it's illegal to come into my country and promote the good news of Christ. Do we really believe that we're supposed to do these things? And I do believe it in this church and we're doing those things. Then why not? Why is it not okay to do these things in our country? Why is it not okay? Why are we trying to burn down police stations and, and shut down churches and limit fellowship and worship and gathering of the saints of God? Why is that wrong? Are we to stop sending out missionaries to the world? Are we to stop promoting the good news, gospel of Christ? Are we to stop fellowshipping as a body of believers? No, we ought to continue doing these things every day of our life. And yes, we're to honor leaders and those in authorities, and I believe that. But the Bible also says when they stop putting forth God's purpose for our good, or they try to stop you from doing His work, 
Then they're no longer serving the purpose that, and we no longer have to fully obey everything they say. We are to serve God rather than man. And we are to continue to send out Bibles and continue to support the missionaries around the world and continue to fund these causes and continue to send worship up and praises up and continue to preach and proclaim the good news of Christ while we pray for these churches that are in trouble and the leaders that are in trouble and while we also pray for those people and those officials that want to shut down these churches and promote their own personal agenda instead of God's agenda. This woman blessed the Lord in spite of what others said. Now scripture shows us in verse 4 that some of those presents were saying indignantly to one another, why the waste of perfume? Why the waste? It could have been sold for more than a year's wage and given to the poor. And they rebuked her harshly. And we know that John chapter 12, verses 4 to 6 says, but one of the disciples, Judas of Iscariot, was later to betray him, objected. Why wasn't this perfume sold and money given to the poor? It was worth one year's wage. He did not... He, he did not say this because he cared about the poor. But because he was a thief. A keeper of the money. He used it to help himself to what was put into it. Judas was skimming off the top. Can you imagine that? Off God's collection, skimming off the top. Wow. How bold can that be? Stealing from God on purpose. With intention. An inner circle guy. Stealing. Man, that would break my heart. And then saying it was for the poor. We need to be aware how money is handled and who's managing the money. So while some people are breaking open their jars and giving their best to the Lord, others are trying to play it safe, keep it for themselves, and they're not blessing God. Don't hold back your jar from God or play it safe. Don't hold back your jar from God and play it safe. And we see that Judas and, and, and that with the other disciples, they criticized her sharply. And you know, some people find it easy to criticize people when others are criticizing people. Instead of like being like, wow, that person's doing something amazing. They're like, whoa, so fanatical, so radical. <laughs> and they give them a hard time. Instead of just saying, wow, someone we can follow and lead. And Judas may have started to criticize her, but she, he didn't just finish it and stop. He wasn't alone. Mark made it clear. They, 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 they criticized her sharply. And each, each one looked at the oil that, that, that was poured onto Jesus' head and said, wasted. It was wasted on Jesus. And maybe Mary was like, did I do something wrong? Because they're like, it was wasted on Jesus. It's interesting that when one person criticizes, a lot of times it gets contagious. And John said it was Judas. Scripture says it was others that jumped in. And we see that mob mentality today through society. People quickly start jumping in, right? And when someone's down and they start kicking and pouncing on that person, um, right? It's just wrong. Christians especially need to be mindful of this when, while we're human and we make mistakes, we need to be careful that we don't take on someone else's offense. We need to be careful that we don't get offended because someone might be more zealous for the things of God. I've heard it. I've heard it in various places. Look at that person. Look, he's praying. Look, he's worshiping. Look, she's doing this, she's doing that. When someone is fanatical or radical for God, you might feel like, hey, I'm a lesser Christian. And you get embarrassed. Don't do that. Don't do that, church. God gave you a certain amount of faith for you. Walk in that faith. Walk in that liberty. And someone else might say, wait, he has more faith and that person is stronger, right? Whatever that might be, let it turn to encouragement, not turn you off, all right? Some might feel, I can never go there. I can never do that. I, I can never be like that person, right? I, I, I can't do these things that I was called to do. You are called and do what you're called to do. Be who you are. Be who you are. You're a unique you. You're a unique you. Be unique, my brother. You're a unique you. Just be you. But be what God called you to be, right? Now, that is not a right to sin. So I got to say this. It's not a right to sin. Do it and be biblical in a biblical sense. Today, we got to point that out because today people are like, well, you said to do it, be me and do whatever I want. This doesn't mean live like however you want to live. That's not the point here. Because people think their behavior can be whatever they feel like doing. It doesn't mean whatever you want to do, right? 
You are to, to live free in Christ. And Mary was right there in the moment with Jesus Christ. And others were right there, but they missed the moment. Right there too, and they missed the moment. They were busy with their life. Busy, busy, busy. Busy worrying about the money issues. Busy worrying about financial issues. Busy, busy, busy worrying about food issues and household issues, right? And they missed Jesus. And Judas realized, hey, money's coming. Money is not coming back into the collection office. He's skimming off the top. It's like, he's thinking, wow, I just lost some money here. I was going out against a flaming young tonight, and now I can't do that. I can't do that. Yo, what's up? Right? So his heart was in the wrong place. And he was thinking, what can I get from this? Mary was thinking, what can I give? Yes. He's thinking, what can I get for this? Right? His focus was selfish. His focus was inward. Mary's thinking, how can I give? Yes. How can I bless? Yes. She gave her attention to Jesus. She gave Christ her best, her savings, expensive gift. She honored him prior to death. Nothing you do for the Lord will be wasted. Nothing you do for the Lord. See, Judas criticized Mary for wasting the expensive perfume, but he was guilty of wasting his life. Don't waste your life, church. Don't waste your life, church. Don't waste your life. And listen to how the Lord responded. I, I love this. He protects Mary. He encourages Mary. And I love that about Jesus. Always looking out for people. Always trying to meet their needs. But at this moment, check this out. Spending it on him and being kingdom-minded was the best use of the resources. Listen closely. Verse 6. Leave her alone, Jesus says. Why are you bothering her? She has done a beautiful thing to me. The poor you will always have with you, and you can help them anytime you want. But you will not always have me. She, she did what she could. She poured perfume out of my body beforehand to prepare for my burial. I tell you the truth. Wherever the gospel is preached throughout the world, she will, what she has done will also be told in memory of her. Mary had a special love and devotion towards Jesus. Mary understood what others did not understand. He's about to die. And she heard what he had to say. And she understood that he was dying. And, and, and knew that the time was, was short. And, and the end was near. So she gave him this gift. And she did it on purpose. She was purposeful in the process. You need to hear this really closely. This was not spont spont uh, spontaneous gift. This wasn't spontaneous giving. There was planned and purposeful gift. And this is how the church ought to give to the kingdom of God as well. 1 Corinthians, write this down. 1 Corinthians chapter 16, verse 2 says, On the first day of every week, everyone should set aside a sum of money in keeping with his income. 2 Corinthians 9 tells us to be a cheerful giver. Laughing as you give in a sense, right? Verses 6 and 7 says, Remember this, whoever sows sparingly will reap sparingly. Whoever sows generously will reap generously. Each man, each person should give what he has decided in his heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion. For God loves a what? A cheerful giver. Now, long, long, for as long as I've been here pastoring this church, it's been years now and it's exciting, I've never taken a second collection on Sunday. In fact, we never take offering on a Sunday night or a Wednesday night as well. Not that anything's wrong with that. We just don't do that. Because I believe I want to teach this church that when we follow God's ways, we will be blessed. And we will have enough. And we don't need to beg for things. We just need to just follow biblical principles. And we're going to teach. And we teach that you give offering and you give mission giving above your tithe. But the truth of the matter is we don't focus on all those things. We focus on generosity and giving and giving freely and giving with intentionality and giving purposefully and giving cheerfully. But most importantly, we want to give biblically, not reluctantly or out of compulsion. And during a, a one Wednesday night, um, a missionary had a great need. And I love this story. And, well, and while he was speaking to us, right, I get a text from a member here. And he says, we got to give to this and, 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 and said what they were going to give. And I responded back and I was like, I agree. We'll, we'll match that as well. Well, my wife then 
Well, my wife then whispers in my ear, we need to give to this personally and a church. And I show her the text. And so three people were touched by God immediately at the same time, not knowing and not knowing we don't do a collection on Wednesday night. And by Sunday morning, we were able to give enough money so they were able to feed 60 families during COVID in another country. Oh, there should be a better amen for that, i got to tell you. Praise God for that. Because the Spirit of God moved, and people were sensitive to the move of God. And we raised enough money to support this missionary. When churches have stopped giving, when churches have stopped supporting, when churches have been able to down what they give, we were able to give more and give abundantly. Because we were able to bless the causes of Christ as the Holy Spirit is in operation in this church. We are a blessing. And we are to be a blessing. Amen? Amen. Oh, hallelujah. Mary understood this and she blessed the Lord. Now, this phrase, the poor is always here. It's an interesting phase that some people think that the church is just about charity and helping the needs of others. And compassion, compassionate giving is a big part of ministry. But it's not just for compassion's sake to give to people and to, and, and to serve um, a, a compassionate need. It's for life-changing purposes and soul-winning. Jesus had compassion on people, that's for sure. But he didn't come just to heal the physical. He didn't just, just come to heal the, the physical need. Matthew 16, beginning at verse 24 says, Jesus said to his disciples, If anyone come after me, he must deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. Whoever wants to save his life must lose it. Whoever wants to lose his life for me will find it. What good will it be for a man or a woman if he gains the whole world and yet forfeits his soul? Or what can a man give in exchange for his soul? And the answer is nothing. You gain nothing by gaining the world. And you can't exchange anything for your soul. Salvation is a free gift of God, but you have to be willingly and purposely desiring it and want to receive that free gift from Jesus. Mary understood the season she was living in. Mary took um, these this coming death seriously and she blessed the Lord with her gifts and she blessed the Lord with her best we should not only take this time seriously as well but his his soon coming return it should motivate us and towards not towards escapism um, but to win souls and win souls for the lost he's coming soon and this is our blessed hope. He's going to snatch us away, church. And there's going to be a great meeting and revival in the air by the saints of God. And we don't know when he's coming, but we know he's coming soon. And so we wait. So we listen. So we pray. So we work. So we serve. And we wait. And we bless the Lord. And we bless others in the process on purpose and with purpose. Amen? Amen. It seems that the disciples did not want to think about his death at this time. They wanted his kingdom to come. And they wanted them to take over the, the Roman Empire. And just like today, people don't want to talk about death and his death and his soon return. Peter in the, in the Bible also says that, um, you know, he tried to talk Jesus out of the cross. Mary had a different devotion. Mary had a different focus. Mary knew time was short and she wanted to bless the Lord. And she was blessed in return. And she was blessed in return. Wherever the gospel message is preached in the world, she will be remembered. And you know what? Judas is going to be remembered too. Mark 14, verse 10 says, Judas Iscariot, one of the 12, went to the chief priest to, to betray Jesus to them. And they were delighted to hear this. And they promised to give him money. And so he watched for an opportunity to hand him over. And Judas will soon betray, betray Jesus. And Jesus will be crucified. And I think it's important to note, Jesus knew Judas' heart and still worked with him. In fact, it might be hard to believe that Jesus loved equally Judas and Mary. He gave them both opportunities to serve. He gave them both opportunities to love him. He gave them both opportunities to be with him and to stand by his side. Jesus spent much time with both of them, preaching and allowing them to be in the inner circle, right? And in the end, one loved them and one blessed him and wanted a true relationship with him, but the other one stole from him and reported him to the authorities, the religious leaders, and had a hidden agenda. And while it seemed like they both loved him and united with him and agreed with him, it's not that simple. And it wasn't that simple. Judas was skimming off the top of the 
collection. Judas was waiting for an opportunity to steal. Judas was saying things like, why wasn't that money given to the poor? He didn't care about the poor at all. And he was one of the first of the 12 apostles. And he was, he was supposed to make a difference in the kingdom of God. He was supposed to help build the church, not destroy it and not bring it down and not crucify its leaders. Love wasn't the real issue here and the motivation. The relationship was built on what he thought he wanted from Jesus and what, what he thought the agenda should be. And when he didn't get what he wanted, when he no longer liked the direction that Jesus was going or what Jesus was saying, he turned on Jesus. We see that happening today throughout society, throughout the church, throughout friendships, and even family relationships. Businesses, partnerships are broken up. Churches are split. People get divorced. Loved ones leave. This message of broken jars really has two sides to it. Will you dedicate your life to God, everything you are and everything you own, or will you walk away and turn on Him and reject Him? Church, we have access to God. That veil has been torn. We have direct access to, to Jesus. And He will continue to give us opportunities to serve and live for Him. What will you do with your freedom? What will you do with your time? What will you do with your resources? What will you do with your heart? Judas betrayed Jesus. He skimmed off the top. He held back his gifts. He walked away from a, a beautiful opportunity to help build God's church and to serve with other apostles and believers. He gave it up. He walked away. Many do that today as well. Mary, on the other hand, she represents all saints of God, right? She represents all of us who haven't won a deeper relationship with Jesus. She broken open her jar. It cost her greatly. But she believed in Jesus. She believed in Jesus' words. She believed in kingdom principles. She wanted to serve Him. She wanted to bless Him. And she remained in close proximity of Him and others. She wanted a deeper relationship with Jesus. And I pray that you want that today as well. And I love these words that Jesus says in verse in verse 8, and if the worship team can work their way up as we bring this service to a close. Jesus says in verse 8, she did what she could. Oh, you can underline that in, your, in the passage of Scripture. She did what she could. If we can only understand that as we walk with God, if we can do what we can do, if we can make ourselves available to God and do what we can do, He will provide the rest. For Mary, she broke open her jar. She gave it all to the Lord and blessed him. For Judas, he held it back. He went astray. What will you do today with your jars and with your gifts? Will you hold it back from God? Or will you release it all to him in Jesus' name? Your choice. Mary made the better choice. Judas not so good. And we know in the end, Judas committed suicide. He went astray and he was lost, knowing that he can come and turn back to Jesus while there's life and repent. He chose to take his own life and submit to himself instead of God. Would you stand with me? And before we sing this song, for those of you who do not know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, don't be a Judas. Don't be those that are so busy running around doing your own thing. You have no time for God and you miss God in all of this. Ask Him. Invite Him into your heart and your life. Ask Him to forgive you of your sins. Speak to Him from your heart. And he will hear your cries. He will touch your heart. Amen. But you need to invite him into your heart. It's a free gift. He won't force himself on you. It's a free gift. So take a moment right now. And speak to him from your heart. And if you did that today and you're here, come see me afterwards and speak with me. We'd love to pray with you. We'd love to touch you and, and give you a word. We want to touch your heart by blessing you. Call us and write us if you did this while you were away. But if you're a saint of God, 
and you're holding back your gifts from God and you're walking away from his kingdom or you're holding back your abilities and talents and gifts ask yourself why do I fully trust my Lord and my Savior am I willing to break open all my gifts and all my dreams and all my abilities and even all my burdens and lay them at his feet and release it all to him many say yes and amen but when the time comes to be faithful, they're not. And if that's you, don't raise your hand. Because this is not asking you to reveal yourself to us, but to reveal yourself to Jesus and repent for those sins and say, Lord, forgive me. I too need my jars to be broken. I too need to be broken before you. I too need to be humbled before you. I too need more of you, oh God. And so rededicate your life to him. And say that you're willing. Yes, Lord, I am willing to give you all my, all my life. I'm willing to give you my 401k. I'm willing to do it all. Whatever it means. Now, we're not asking you to give it here. We're asking you to give it to God. And be available to God. And make yourself available to Him. And say, Lord, pour it out. Pour it out. Pour it out. And so I ask you and I pray that you will crave more of God today than ever before. And today and tomorrow and the next day say, Lord, pour out your spirit. And pour out every spiritual blessing on me on you, on us, in Jesus' name. And it'll be the best decision that you ever made. Let's sing this song.